Hello, uh, let me welcome you to another edition of Forum 2000 online debate, China and what the COVID or A4 protests change. What can we learn about the communist regime's response to the COVID protests or A4 protests that was named after the blank white paper that uh, some protests hold during the demonstrations? And what does the reopening of, of, of China, of PRC, mean for the country? its people and the world. Uh, as you know, protests against the zero COVID policy in China took place last year across the whole country. Experts warn that uh, the newly third time re-elected uh, Secretary General Xi Jinping and the Communist Party itself faced a significant threat to its power and, and stability. As a consequence, the CCP abandoned key parts of its strange containment strategy, including forcing people into guarantee camps or preventing uh, foreigners from returning to their homes. What does the CCP's response tell us about its stability and strength? To discuss what it is shows, I'm going to speak with Professor Xiao Chang, American journalist, professor at the University of California, Berkeley, and also founder and co editor or editor-in-chief of news website called China Digital Times. Professor Xiaochang, welcome. And I'm also going to speak with uh, Mr. Parsifal de Sola, founder and director of the China Latin America Research Center of Andres Bello Foundation based in Colombia. Parsifal, pleasure having you here as well. I would like to ask um, probably both of you, What have been the recent developments in China after its borders opened on, on January 8th, the weekend? Can you tell us about the situation there as, as you watch it and it unfold and, and cover um, maybe for China Digital Times? Maybe Xiao Chang, can you start, please? Sure. Um, on January 8th, it's a starting date that um, China officially opened its border Uh, without uh, much of the testing and the requirement, uh, quarantine, uh, let the Chinese nationals can travel abroad and also let the uh, uh, people living outside of China, including overseas Chinese diaspora um, and uh, international business and other tourists uh, coming to China without uh, much restriction. So officially, this three years of the zero COVID policy ended uh, like that. Uh, but this is um, already a month past that in China, uh, the old level of the government has relaxed uh, the uh, zero COVID control uh, right after the nationwide white paper protests uh, against uh, such brutal and crude policy. Uh, the control policy failed not only because it's failed in the popularity, it's ruined the economics, but also practically failed to preventing the Omicron spread in Chinese society. By the time Chinese government has to let this uh, policy go, uh, a matter of fact is the virus already uh, pervasive spread in almost all over China. Um, so it's a failed policy, but what the people didn't expect is how the 180 degree changed that government didn't do anything 
in prepare any preparation for the society to let the Chinese society to still right now uh, undergoing this uh, storm of virus throughout the entire population of 1.4 billion people. And this is a, a still unfolding uh, tragedy in China. You're going to talk about it, but maybe uh, for some of our listeners, if I may ask Parsifal, if, if uh, when we are mentioning the, the zero COVID policy, if, if, if Parsifal, could you maybe summarize its, its development and why actually the zero COVID policy started and how did it affect the Chinese people and their lives? Some people call it actually social and economic experiment without precedent. So do you agree? And, and can you tell us? Thank you. Um, sure. Um, thank you, Katerina. I guess with like with every other policy or decision in China, uh, we can only uh, guess given uh, the, the the level of opacity and uh, uh, the black box that is Chinese decision making. That being said, uh, if we look at it from a, a, a historical perspective, or at least for the last three years, uh, if we go back to that to 2020 when the, the all these restrictions uh got put into place overall sentiment throughout chinese society especially because of the control of information was actually uh the the restrictions were well perceived given the what was the alternative which was the comparison with uh, how the West particularly uh, handled the situation. So you, you you saw headlines in the China Daily, in the People's Daily, how uh, um, the United States was allowing people to die, wasn't taking uh, any steps. And in contrast, the Chinese state was taking care of its people. And that's why uh, all these policies were put into place. So let's just say the initial... Um, perception from the public in China was rather positive, given how uh, the problem was framed from Beijing. Then, obviously, we fast forward two, three years, um, and the world has moved on. And this did not go unseen, regardless of any information controls uh, within China. And I think especially the World Cup had an important, uh, it, it was maybe the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, this is a worldwide event, people traveling from all around without masks, uh, mass gatherings. And at the same time, you know, you have inside China, things that are getting worse and worse in terms of controls. And uh, when we, you put all of this together, it uh, it is a demonstration that there was this growing sentiment from within Chinese society that they were fed up. Um, and that's that's basically why I wouldn't say they were allowed to flourish. They flourished because they were it was unforeseen. It was sporadic. It was spontaneous. And it united the whole of it, it was there was sympathy from across the country because we all know that protests are not uncommon in China. They happen every day. It's 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 
the fact that we don't hear about them is another thing, but uh, protests, strikes, labor movements, uh, um, these are common every day uh, uh, within China. The difference this time around is that uh, it's not location specific, it's not sector specific, it's not issue specific. Uh, there wasn't a local government or a local official to blame for this. This was actually uh, the whole of society going against the policy from the central government. And I think that's quite telling. Thank you. Um, maybe, uh, can we slightly elaborate what happened during these A4 COVID protests? They started uh, last November as a reaction to these tight restrictions and took, and took place in the, in the big cities across the whole country. They lasted approximately three weeks. The reaction of the CCP was surprisingly quick and direct, um, but what will be the impact of, of this reversal in the policy, the whole like 180 reversal of, of the COVID-0 policy? Uh, maybe at first I'd like to ask about the impact in China uh, Xiao Chang and uh, Parsifal, that if you can mention what is going to happen maybe in the rest of the world, if you can guess what is going to expect us. Sure, I'll uh, say a few things about the protests and its impact uh, inside China. Um, first of all, this deep discontent and the suffering of the people under the zero COVID policy uh, has been zeroing under the uh, hook uh, for a long time in Chinese society, particularly since last March, uh, after Shanghai, China's biggest international city, 24 million people being locked down almost for 60 days or more. Uh, and the kind of economic damage and human suffering uh, was tremendous. And this also happened in many other parts of China uh, in 2022, particularly, uh, but you less heard of, for example, Tibet. Um, was under the lockdown for more than two months. Xinjiang, which is another ethnic, ethnic group uh, region, uh, under the lock for more than two months. And many, many other uh, smaller cities or regions uh, across China, almost half of Chinese population had gone through something like this. Um, in that background, there's a huge political factor on top of this public policy, uh, health policy, which is Xi Jinping, in order to secure his power and to get his third term of the uh, party secretary in October, he doesn't want to change anything regarding to control the society, particularly relating to this zero COVID policy. He treated this not just to control the virus, it's control the society in general and control the party as well. He actually publicly said that we cannot just calculate the economic cost about this policy. We have to calculate the political cost of it. But which means he's not really dealing with a virus. He's dealing with a very effective social con control tool in order to, so uh, to con consolidating his power, particularly at this critical moment that party 23rd uh, con Congress. Therefore, people are suffering for a political decision for this one man wants to be a lifelong dictator in China. And the entire Chinese people have seen it. 
So they associate the ineffective, brutal, and very, very damaging policy people suffering across the world um, for the, as a cost of this one person's political ambition and political agenda. That really a united factor of the entire China. That's why this across the nation pro spontaneous protest automatically yeah, has a slogan that we don't want the uh, uh, COVID test, we want freedom, we do not want to be slaves, we want a vote, we do not want a dictatorship. Immediately, the message became political and nationwide. That has a huge impact. I think that, among other factors, scared the Xi Jinping and the central government quite a bit. They didn't see this coming. Uh, uh, therefore, that's partially explained um, why they immediately, uh, uh, 180 degree, drop the uh, COVID policy. But there are the two more reasons for that I need to uh, uh, say. Another one, obviously, is even before this protest, this policy in terms of practical control of virus, it's already lost its effectiveness. The virus is already everywhere else. The local Chinese government are misreporting it, are lying about their numbers. Uh, the, the virus is already out of control. The third factor is the Chinese government was able to try to implement the zero uh, COVID policy by quarantining everyone they see it, uh, they test everyone and they try to quarantine everyone, is they driving their own bureaucratic apparatus to the limit. The local government out of a resource and out of a political motivation to do this, they only do it because the order gave them a real order that if they don't do this, they're gonna lose, lose their job and they have to do it. They are, they're basically, run off their own motivation and rationale to do this. Therefore, when the thing changes, the entire sort of uh, commander chain, uh, the chain of command uh, collapse, uh, the local government just officials just drop the ball. They don't want to do anything else. They are completely exhausted. Um, since now they don't have to uh, misreporting their numbers or trying to pretend to control the virus, then they they rather not do anything at all. This is what I see uh, in China happened about a month ago, and actually uh, still recovering from that disaster. Thank you, Xiaocheng. Maybe one more question uh, to both of you before we are going to talk about the prediction, what is going to happen for Europe and the US. Uh, actually, how is it possible that people in China could gather and express their frustration and even call Xi Jinping to, to step down in this environment where the internet, media, and social sites are all heavily controlled or strictly controlled. And maybe then I would like to ask, because I know that you mentioned it already, how important was the bridge man, Bank Rifa, uh, and, and the whole action? Can you tell us as well? Sure. Um, yes, we cannot uh, um, help to link the one lone protester in uh, October um, that inspired essentially this nationwide uh, protest, uh, um, his courage and his self-sacrifice together with his very, very well articulated message uh, really 
speaking for everybody in Chinese society. Um, and that courage, really contentious. Uh, it took about a month and a half to you know, become the everyone's slogan on the streets. But during this month and a half, it's the uh, slogans already being shouted and spreaded and secretly uh, through the overseas Chinese students uh, across the world, uh, different campuses, through the internet and gets back to China to the point of when people breaking uh, the police chains and get on the street. And his message and his courage became the inspiration uh, naturally. Nobody organizing this. Uh, but the fact that China has the most sophisticated and restrictive internet environment and censorship and surveillance does not say it cannot reach to a limit. The limit is the people in every level really fed up and really, really angry and frustrated about this ineffective and damaging policy. And then those slogans and messages and those he heroic actors of Peng Lifa a month ago really inspired people deeply inside, particularly the young people. Uh, therefore, when people finally get on the street, naturally his slogans and uh, this message of we don't want a dictatorship we want a democracy being shouted out among the uh, crowds and then became a anchor around the country, across the country, and actually around the world. Thank you. Marcifal, would you agree with uh, Professor Xiaocheng just said? Or do you have any different opinion or that you would like to share with us? Um, uh, sure. So uh, I agree to an extent that there was an underlying frustration that was uh, gathering momentum over the last years. And one of the interesting things about the protests themselves is that there were, they were used as a conduit to express other concerns or other grievances that they might have. So that's 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 the interesting nature of these protests while you know covid restrictions were the center of this depending on where you were in china if you were at a university campus if you were at you know the the, the laborers from companies like like foxconn or or you know from from the manufacturing industry was you know yes the COVID restrictions were the spark, were the message, but you saw other grievances being attached to that to that uh, um, to that topic itself. So I think that's that's a, a different um, angle on how to view protests and the nature of how such a large scale uh, independent spontaneous movement was able to flourish within a uh, controlled information and 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 uh, well uh, uh, controlled uh, uh, environment in general so and i would add to that uh, that it's again while yes we did see a lot of messages you know directed exclusively at xi jinping at the ccp uh i would be cautious as to draw general conclusions about the you know Chinese population as a whole about actually being anti-systemic. Um, 
again, it's very difficult to assess. There's no, you know, you cannot rely on public polls or, or anything of the sorts to, to actually be able to grasp how much of an anti-systemic sentiment was part of the whole conversation. Thank you. Maybe let me now ask about the CCP propaganda and artificial intelligence. Uh, but it's no, it's empowered state surveillance mechanism in China. So how were these two, propaganda and digital Leninism, it's already used as a term, important for the Chinese Communist Party or Chinese regime at this time? And how they were used, especially during the demonstrations and afterwards? Well, I think the uh, whole propaganda machine plus the censorship and uh, external propaganda disinformation backed by a digital technology of the state uh, is a critical pillar of the Chinese Communist Party's uh, control apparatus in general. Uh, of course, uh, you have to have the repressive apparatus like police and armies and yeah, legal system all under the uh, Chinese Communist Party control in order to uh, exercise violence basically any time, at any given time, uh, ready in order to uh, uh, suppress the society. And But on top of that, um, those uh, propaganda machines uh, can be very, very effective in the context of social economic policies, relatively speaking, uh, is effective and being well implemented uh, in the society in general. If the economy is not going well, if people's lives are actually suffering, well, then no matter how which way you're trying to spin this thing, uh, blaming to external enemies or or uh, uh, making up your numbers or framing it differently, it doesn't last that long. In the end, it hurt the party itself. And this is exactly happened um, in China in the last three years. And in the first 18 months of the COVID, this very, very restrict uh social control methods actually was effective in terms of containing the virus uh, uh, at a uh, early version compared with many other places in the world, Chinese economy was uh, actually growing, uh, that the Chinese factories was able to open. The so the propaganda of to contribute this achievement at the time of this policy uh, entirely to the party and to the system and to the only leader Xi Jinping was the message gets through to the Chinese population. People sort of buying that mainly because they see them around. Even their life was being restricted and and and, and suffered a bit. But at the same time, compared with the chaotic situation in the other part, this seems like effective policy. But what's not effective is the fundamental sort of flaw of dictators that they become their own victim, when the situation changes, that when the resources uh, are being, should have been put into some other place, like investing uh, in the vaccine and, and, and other uh, approaches, they stuck with this their own success at the beginning. But then to turn that into a political legitimacy argument, a piece of propaganda uh, uh, the the cornerstone, and they cannot they stuck with it, and using that for a political reason cannot change and adopt the change of what's the uh, happening on the ground. So, 
that inflexibleness, uh, misjudgment of situation, all because of that one man that cannot hear uh, and adjust the uh, situation changes, um, in the end, bring the Chinese society a huge cost. And then the propaganda becoming a sort of the message hurting himself. And now, uh, um, now that the new propaganda de the directive is forbidden, the Chinese uh, media talk about uh, what they, 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 they boasted for three years, so-called anti-COVID spirit of Chinese Communist Party. Um, because now the policy becomes so unpopular, uh, those propaganda cannot work anymore. Um, and the policy change 180 degree, the propaganda cannot keep it up. Yeah, you cannot just, uh, uh, um, so they are shooting themselves in the foot. But the surveillance and control and uh, you know the, the repressive apparatus still are working. That's why they can effectively still control the society, not further uh, going to the further you know, unrest. The problem is not that people can simply forget what they have gone through the three years. Yeah. And what has failed and what the cost the society has paid. And this reflection and painful memory, uh, together with this deeply discontent about their country politically becoming a dictatorship and uh, for lifelong, that they have to go, they, that now they are living in this sort of going backward historical situation, will become the fundamental insecurity seat yeah, for the Xi Jinping rule in the coming years and even decade. Uh, it's not saying they, we can, well, I'm not predicting that immediate uprest, uh, but what I'm predicting or I'm stating is this deep, deep political discontent and the breach of the public trust uh, with the government policy uh, is not going to go away. And it's creating this very fundamental insecurity of Xi Jinping's rule in the coming decade. Thank you, Parsifal. Um, do you think that the insecurity seed was, was planted and this is going to have an impact on the society? I would uh, begin saying that authoritarian governments in general, and this is backed up uh, by an array of, of, of academic work are insecure in general. Um, I don't think this is new. Or I think this is just the nature of the system. And uh, authoritarian governments are even, I would say, even pay more attention than democracies do to public sentiment because they are well aware of the power of societies, especially in a country as big, as diverse, and as complex as China is. So I think this is a the status quo. It's 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 just how authoritarian governments work work in general. Uh, that being said, uh, for changes within society uh, to take place, I, I think we should uh, aid. Do not. Um, underestimate the, the 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 chinese public in general if well the protests themselves were a uh were evidence of how uh ingenious they are uh i i cannot you know take away my mind from the image of uh of people <laughs> there was this this 
person in Shanghai walking with two llamas. And this is reminiscent of, you know, uh, uh, Ai Weiwei and the, the Chao Nima, the, the, the movement. And, and so, yes, the, the, the sentiments are there, but they do take time, uh, to manifest themselves within a controlled environment. Um, I would say that, uh, uh, yeah, we will see changes. And I agree with Professor Chiang when he, when he says that, um, uh, that, People uh, remember, they will remember, you know, those three years, they will remember how they felt, how the government reacted. But on the the other side of the coin is that I really do not see the central government. I don't see Xi Jinping. I don't see his his uh, group of, 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 of advisors as having perceived the country as as having lost control. Yes, they were obviously preoccupied and the protests were a big part of the puzzle when it comes to the decision to, you know, lift all of the restrictions. But to argue that they lost control, that they were genuinely afraid of what could have happened if this had uh, uh, continued, I, I, I don't buy that argument. I think there were other uh, factors involved as well. The economy, it's, 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 has been the, the, the performance factor that has, you know, this, this argument that the, the, the CCP, uh, uh, um, rides on the, on the performance legitimacy, legitimacy. And if the, you know, economy suffers as it did because of, you know, there are all these, uh, all this, the, the implementation of zero COVID. I think it was a, a mixture of all of it. Yes, the protests were a big part of it, but the economy was another thing. Um, there were, there are important, uh, you know, uh, uh, power sectors within the CCP that had to be pushing for opening up. So when you put everything in the bag, I think that, yes. So, uh, um, that's where the, the decision comes from. So in the long run, I do see, uh, especially for younger re- generations, the bowling hoes, uh, you know, generations after the eighties, uh, this, especially in urban areas, uh, this is where potential change could come from. Thank you. And, and our last question, uh, I promise that we are going to return back uh, to China these days. So uh, what do you think, how this quick reopening of, of China, of PRC, affects both positively and negatively uh, us here in Europe or in America? You mentioned the economy, so maybe with the impacts of the world economy and etc. I would simply say that uh, it should be a good news for your economy, for Chinese economy and for the global in general. Uh, regardless what uh, China is still a main suppliers and manufacturing uh, most of the good for the China, for the world economy, and the fact that uh, uh, Chinese society had reopened up. Um, all the economic activities and also uh, the restored the uh, travels uh, and exchanges uh, um, with abroad uh, is a positive for economically. Um, but I would add uh, the because of the failed policy of the zero COVID and deeply damaged Xi Jinping's credibility and and actually the, the 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 real control over his apparatus. I don't. I'm not saying he's losing the control of the society, but I'm saying he is his control over the uh, the, the government actually currently being 
weakened, he needs to find a way uh, politically uh, re-empower himself to back to the, the position because he needs that level of the control uh, in order to uh, be the lifelong dictator in China. That's his only agenda. On that front, I'm afraid it's not a good news um, that um, because I can see um, he will galvanize the nationalistic uh, sentiments and using that, uh, creating an external issue to shift attention and uh, to reconsolidate power back to his hand. And by doing creating external issue, I mostly am afraid of Taiwan or any of those uh, international dispute that China going to provoke. Um, not for the for the for the issue themselves, but it's for domestic Xi Jinping's personal political agenda. Thank you, Xiao Chang. please, would you like to add something? Um, sure. Well, internationally speaking, I think it's, it's it will be welcomed. Um, and uh, we the 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 180 degree turn wasn't only with COVID. Is this is just yesterday or two days ago? They there were a, a list of of, of uh, uh, reforms were announced, even to the to the point of lifting the the blockage of importing uh, Australian coal. There's a lot of of uh, there, there are some. There, there has been a change in tone in terms of foreign policy of being more conciliatory towards, especially towards Europe. Um, and, uh, I think that from an international perspective, especially the global South, uh, it will be perceived as positive as like, you know, especially given the ramifications of the, of, of Russia's war in the Ukraine. Uh, that, you know, China coming back into the, the, the global economy is actually a good thing that, that could, uh, um, well, contribute, contribute to, to, you know, economic, uh, uh, recession and contraction, uh, within the global south. Thank you very much. Um, our time fled away, but I have still so many questions. So I'm going to mail, mail you, you later. But now let me thank you for your time for your knowledge that you have shared with us also thank you our viewers for staying with us online and um, thank you and goodbye and looking forward to see you soon thank you for having us thank you for having us <laughs>